A school's strength and conditioning coach takes another job. That's news? It is if it's Andrea Hootie, who's been shaping up Kansas basketball players since 2004. Jesse Newell, who covers the Jayhawks for the Kansas City Star, discusses Hootie's departure to Big 12 rival Texas, and later we take a look at the influence of transfers in the conference. All this on Sportsbeat KC, the Star Sports Podcast sponsored by Big O Tires. It's Monday, August 19th. Jesse Newell, the Star's beat writer for the Kansas Jayhawks, joins us. And Jesse, I was I was struck by the reaction to the story that uh, that emerged late last week that uh, Andrea Hootie, the team's strength and conditioning coach, was leaving Kansas for Texas. Now, th- this happens, right? Uh, administrators leave and uh, coaches leave and players transfer. But for whatever reason, this. This particular story, you know, resonated with with Kansas fans. It was the most read story on our website over the weekend, and uh, and drew drew a huge audience. And I'm, I want to get your ideas why this uh, move was received like it was, just in terms of a lot of attention, uh, and then um, and then maybe uh, get, sort of hazard a guess why why she made this move. Yeah. Um, I think you start, Blair, it's sort of interesting where she falls into because if you go read um, some of the Texas stories about this, you know, uh, it's sort of the same sort of tone that you, that you kind of brought up here, which is like normally we wouldn't write much about a strength conditioning coach. But in this instance, um, this is kind of a big deal because it's Andrea Hootie. And the thing about her that is – maybe a little bit different from most strength and conditioning coaches is just sort of the celebrity profile she took on at Kansas, not only because she had been at Kansas so long and also because she's obviously a female in what has been a a male dominated industry, but she has done an amazing job. I mean, she, I don't, I can't think of a person who's more well-respected, you know, outside of Bill Self, obviously at the university of Kansas, when it comes to the athletic department, than Andrea Hootie, because, you know, we, we went down this in the story that Gary Bedore and I wrote on her, but you know, she's won national strength coach of the year awards from like the national strength and conditioning coaches association. She won the impact award for um, doing things and kind of moving the industry forward. Uh, she was kind of forward thinking when it came to the Sparta technology in Katie's weight room where um, you do use, you know, you jump on the, the force plates basically and it lets you know, hey, you might be injured or, hey, you sort of have the um, the body makeup of a cornerback where you're good at backing up, but you need to be in basketball, you need to accelerate. And so she would work certain muscle areas. And, and now you look at that, that sort of technology, which she first implemented, I think it was 2012 or 2013, was kind of, um, you know, she kind of partnered with them very early and now there's over 90 professional teams that use this so she was way early in line with this and kind of when she started adopting it other people and schools and college you know programs and and you know professional sports teams looked at this and said hey this is really good technology we need to use this as well so she's always been on the forefront of that stuff and so uh i saw some discussion of it she was always get mentioned in basketball articles she was always uh, or in you know not only articles but the TV broadcast would bring her up. She was well-respected. And I think, and to a person, I think this is true, I think she was the second 
most visible person in the, in the Kansas basketball program outside of Bill Self. I mean, I think more people would have name recognition from her or face recognition from her than you, they would with Curtis Townsend and Norm Roberts and Jaron Howard. And uh, when you talk about Norm and Curtis in particular, they've been with Bill Self basically just as long as Andrea Hootie has. But people associate with her. You know, they they. The people that met her, they liked her. She's a likable person. Uh, she would chat with them, and she was just so well-respected across the industry that it, it was really difficult to find somebody who didn't like or didn't at least respect the job that Andrea Hudia did with Kansas basketball. So after 15 years, that's the kind of thing that gets built up. And um, as far as why she left for Texas, I mean, the number one thing you would think is that she got a pay raise. I mean, that's what Texas does. They go out and they throw a briefcase of money at people and see if they uh, want to commit to them. And they had an opening for a men's basketball strength coach. And so she will be taking over there. I think the tough thing in here is you hear some speculation, but really the person that would be the one to give you the best answers is the one that took the job. And Andrea has been kind of quiet about this other than the KU release that was sent out here uh, after she officially took the Texas job. So without hearing directly from her, you know, it's probably a little bit more speculation than we'd like to get into. There's been some whispers about this new Kansas team health and kind of some of the reshaping that KU has done with that, with its athletic departments, athletic trainers and athletic personnel, all those sorts of things. It's something we can get into, but um, as far as it goes, going to Texas and going to a big 12 rival, I would think, uh, opportunity for her and then obviously uh, probably a pay raise is what you would expect and so uh, Kansas will go back and I'm sure find a very good strength coach in, in its own regard but it's sort of lost a celebrity here and I think that's why she resonated with so many people yeah and in that celebrity status um, I, I think of a couple things first of all her name you know she just was Hootie right the H-U-D-Y her last name but everybody you know you know that that's what everybody called her and whenever you you know, in Kansas, whenever somebody mentioned Hootie, they knew exactly who you were talking about. And the other thing is, if if you've ever gone to a Kansas game, um, and, and you know, home or away, you see the the teams warming up. I don't know, they're on the court an hour or so before the game. Often, you know, they begin their stretching process. They're on their back with the, you know, with with the bands and uh, and, and stretching. And you know, she's walking among them and. You would never notice. I don't think you would ever n- notice that person if it was a, a if, if it was a guy, it, but it was a blonde-headed woman who was doing that and and helping players stretch. And you mentioned it before, and I, I think it's, it bears repeating that to be um, a female in in this particular job where you know she's already she's part of a high-profile program. She came from a high-profile program at the University of Connecticut, and, and came to Kansas in 2004, a year after Bill Self took the job. Uh, and so she's the one who, you know, she's the one who's getting, you know, players warmed up and getting, and, and, you know, at least on the, where, where, where people can see her in action, which is about the only time you, you would see her. And then during the game, if, if it was a big Monday and Fran Fraschella was there, he'd always mention her and you'd see her, you'd see her on the bench and see her behind the bench. And you wonder who's, who's that blonde woman there? And it was, you know, every Kansas fan, heck, I think everybody in the Big 12 knew who that was. It was it was Andrea Hootie, and she was, as you said, it just very visible, and uh, and we, which is one thing. But she was, by all accounts, really really good at what she did. And so, what I want to ask you, Jesse, is uh, give me some examples of players who really benefited by her particular brand of strength and conditioning, because I know she's mentioned a few. Um, but uh, over the years, and I know one of the players that we quoted recently was David McCormick. 
But um, you know, talk about David and, and some maybe some of the other players who who have credited her for you know for for their their shape. Yeah, and, and talking with her, Blair, I think this probably is something that goes into maybe just successful people in general. I was listening to to Sam Mellinger today um, and him talk about Patrick Mahomes on the radio and sort of talk about hey. So many people get in Patrick Mahomes' shoes, and they're so physically gifted that they just kind of shut their mind off. You can get yourself with a lot of different people just say, hey, here's how great you are. And you can listen to those people. You can kind of sit on your laurels a little bit. But what makes Patrick Mahomes so great is that he always wants to learn more. He, he doesn't listen to those people. He listens to the people that say, hey, you're not any good yet. You know, This is what you need to learn. These are all the things that can make you an even, even better quarterback. And those are the sorts of people that, that aren't just – good in life. Those are the people that really succeed in life. And so from meeting with Andrea and talking with her about a lot of this stuff, I think what made her a little bit different is she was always interested in getting better, learning more about the science, and didn't come into this thinking that she knew it all, but wanting to learn more about what she could do. So what you're talking about, she came out with a book, and again, we're talking about well-respected. She wrote a book a few years ago yeah. called Power Positions, and this is sort of what I was talking about, the force plate technology, where she was using the science of this to tailor her specific techniques or, or certain workout techniques to certain players because um, in basketball, you need different skills and different muscles to work than you do in football. And she would even break it down like with football players, even though she wasn't the football strength and conditioning coach, but like some of my quarterbacks, you need to back up. You know, if you're a quarterback, um, that takes different muscles than if you're a running back. You know, you run forward or a wide receiver. You need to run forward and pivot very quickly and move those muscles. So some of the greatest success stories I think of, you can think of some strength coaches like, I'm just going to bulk this guy up. But kind of her main message is bulking up doesn't get accomplished what needs to get accomplished in every instance. You, sometimes you need to reshape the athlete. So when I'm thinking about it, the number one that comes to my mind, whether this is correct or not, is Tarek Black. And he's a guy, so he comes to Kansas all beefed up. He's super huge, all these sorts of things. And she works him into more of a basketball athlete rather than a tight end because if you remember he had some attention from NFL teams to potentially be a tight end because again he had trouble stopping and that's for football you don't have to stop as much you know in basketball you have to stop run back to the other end so in this one year not only did he transform on the basketball court but he became more of a basketball athlete thanks to some of this force plate technology and all of a sudden he has a, a career with the Houston Rockets he has a career with the Los Angeles Lakers where a lot of people thought hey the only way he's gonna play professionally if he learns how to become a tight end so guys like that guys like Jeff Withy. I mean, you look at his body transformation over time, going from a guy that not many people thought would contribute to Kansas to all of a sudden, you know, he's blocking all these shots and um, sets a Final Four record or an NCAA tournament record for blocks in a year. Thomas Robinson, uh, the Morris Twins. You remember uh, they had the famous quotes where they hated to dunk right. their freshman <laughs> years, so and by the end they were throwing everything down. Uh, you know, as part of that 2010-2011 uh, team that had so much success until the VCU lost. So a lot of those sorts of guys. I mean, if you look at the body transformation over time, you almost wouldn't recognize guys from their freshman season. I mean, heck, go back and look at Devontae Graham his freshman year and then his senior year, or Shima Kailuk when he came in as a 16-year-old. Uh, even those guys, you could tell a, a, a big difference. But I think what she did the most, or maybe did the most effectively, was not only getting those players to be basketball players and, and reworking the muscles so that they could pivot and run back and forth and stop in a hurry, all those things that basketball players need to do, but also the injury prevention part of this. If you look over time, Kansas did a great job of keeping their players not only in shape, and uh, but on the court. And uh, if you look at, uh, again, if you look at over the years for KU and Bill Self, 
sometimes you had freak injuries. Sometimes you had, you know, Yudoka Azabuki hurting his hand or his wrist and some freak injury accident. But you didn't see many stretch fractures. You didn't see many of those repetitive tear injuries. And uh, KU was sort of famous for doing a lot of recovery exercises to keep those guys in great shape. And listen, Bill Self put the pedal to the metal to a lot of those guys. You think about Devon Dotson playing 45 minutes in a game or Devontae Graham playing the whole time in like 22 or 23 games his senior year but those guys stayed on the court so I think she got a lot of credit for that and very much deservedly so because she was at the forefront of her field when it came to all those topics because she was so curious about her craft and about what it took to make athletes really good. Okay and just a few um, a few notes about her in 2013 she was named the National Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year by the National Strength and Conditioning Association um, she coached 39 student athletes who went on to play in the NBA. She was at, at UConn where she oversaw the men's and women's program, which I understand she's going to do at Texas as well. Um, she was the trainer for two men's, five women's, bas- two men's basketball, five women's basketball, and one men's soccer national championship team. So she was an integral, integral part of, um, you know, of, of successful teams. And of course, the 2008 NCAA championship team at Kansas, two other Final Four teams at, at KU. I imagine she's she's got a lot of jewelry um, in, in her <laughs> in, in, in her jewelry box, and uh, and I imagine that's that that would be attractive to any any program. And I would imagine it would also take a program with the the financial might and and national championship desires of of Texas to lure her away from. From Kansas, where she was obviously greatly appreciated, and um, and, and I, I, I don't know, I kind of saw her as someone who would might finish her career there. I don't know how old she is. She doesn't seem like uh, you know, she seems like she's got a lot of, of years left in you know in her prof- in, in her profession. But uh, she's gonna. I, I think it's fair to say that she will absolutely be missed in Lawrence. Yeah, and I think what's difficult about this is that because she is so visible, because people knew her her and connected with her that it's it feels like this huge loss and it is a huge loss because of the insights she has and because she's worked with Bill Self and that staff and KU Athletics for so long I agree with you I kind of thought she'd finish out her career there I, I I believe that she probably had offers in the past but again it just seems like a really good fit as long as you know the money's there and, and you're comfortable with each other and um, you know again who knows at this point what went on behind the scenes but uh, the, the fact of the matter is that Kansas should We'll see what happens, but should get a very highly qualified candidate because, once again, um, you're talking about a men's basketball program that is among the most successful in the nation. If you're talking about Andrea Hootie, who very much raised her national stock by being the strength and conditioning coach at Kansas, so there's that. And you're also getting to train um, NBA-type level athletes, which um, the people that's out of the profession, you want to train the best. So um, KU should have great candidates for this, and we'll see you who gets that job because it should be well sought after. But uh, as you mentioned, Blair, I think it's a, a surprise to a lot of fans and to even us in the media that she just had kind of been a staple of Kansas basketball. So for her to not be there and then for her to even, you saw like on Instagram and on Twitter to have that burnt orange shirt on with the, the yeah, Longhorn, yeah. Uh, that is going to take some getting used to because I think a lot of us associate her with Kansas and figured that might not change for a long time. As we break, let's hear from Andrea Hootie, who in 2018 sat down with star reporter Katie Bergen for an interview. And when we return, Jesse Newell and I will pick up the conversation about the influx of transfers to the Big 12 this season. Again, I grew up, I was the youngest of um, five kids, and my parents were teachers. So um, coaching is teaching, teaching is coaching. I don't get wins and losses, so 
we have to have a results-based environment. So um, the results are, are we increasing performance? Are they healthy? Do they feel good? Because 18 to 22 year old people, people in general shouldn't hurt, but especially them, you know? So um, I didn't want to hurt as an athlete. I wanted to be the highest performing person that I could be. Um, so the whole journey, I think, started as an athletic female in a small town. I could go into a gym and grab the rim mm -hmm. on a basketball thing. And it got a lot of attention for me to do that. So then I, you know, you go in one day and you go grab the rim and then you go through practice. And then the next day you're barely touching the bottom of the net and you're like, well, what's going on? So I had a curiosity for it when I was little. And um, I like to figure out how things work, the mechanics of things. So when I took my aptitude test in seventh grade, it, I went home and I was like, mom, I'm supposed to be an auto mechanic. And she was like, no. <laughs> she liked that. <laughs> she didn't uh -huh. like that. I should have been because I would have made a lot more money. Right. But, um, uh, so mechanics, I, I have a mechanical brain I think I look at things to try to figure out how they work. So I wanted to figure out why, you know, one day I could grab the rim and then the next day I couldn't. So that was a curiosity from when I was 14. So then I, everything that I've ever done was kind of like getting to this point of um, how well we jump, how well we run, and this thing called the stretch shortening cycle, which I studied in undergrad and grad and still continue to study today. Why buy tires now? That's easy, because you'll save big right now at Big O Tires. Save $100 on a set of Big O brand tires with paid installation, but only for a limited time. And when you purchase using your Big O credit card, save an additional $50 for a total savings of $150. We told you this was big, only at Big O Tires, the team you trust. Hurry, offer ends August 25th. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle. I forgot to say earlier, but um, but no, you do, along with uh, Gary Bedore. And it's you know we're we're at that time with the school year's just starting, so um, uh, students are arriving. Of course, basketball players and athletes have been on campus for a while. It's been a uh, uh, the usual busy summer uh, at, at, over in Lawrence for for basketball. A lot of alumni back and. Always activity in Allen Fieldhouse. I'm always interested in looking ahead, though, and and checking out what what Big 12 basketball is going to be about in in 2019, 2020. And one thing I determined, Jesse, as I as I started to look into it, is um, the Big 12, like most of college basketball, in fact, I would say all of the the major conferences will be heavily influenced by the grad, graduate transfer. 
Now, um, uh, most of the Big 12 schools have, uh, you know, have at least one, if not a graduate transfer, then a, then a transfer who had to sit out last year and becomes eligible this year in their starting lineup. I, I, I bet more than half do. Kansas, I'm not so sure. It just depends on what, how we look at uh, Isaiah Moss. Um, we, we, um, the, 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 uh, the guard from Iowa who, who will bring some perimeter shooting to, to KU. We'll talk about him in a minute, but first I wanted to, just go down a, a little, little quick list of who to who to expect in the Big 12 this year. Texas Tech, uh, which went to the national championship game with two graduate transfers in their starting lineup, could have two more again this year. And one of them is uh, Chris Clark, who who uh, did not play at Virginia Tech last year. He sat out for a discipline reason, but but uh, uh, was was very good for the Hokies two years ago. A great defender and and all. One of the a player who some people think should be a preseason all-conference selection. Also, T.J. Holyfield, who transferred from UT Arlington, averaged about 13 points and seven rebounds, becomes eligible right away. Another one who I, I think will be an instant impact player is Jonathan Laurent or Laurent. I don't know how he pronounces his name at Oklahoma State. Transfers from UMass, where he led the Atlantic 10 in three-point shooting last year. Oklahoma State also had a terrific recruiting class. They they bring in um, Laurent, and what's what's interesting about Oklahoma State is they're um, they bring back their entire starting lineup. Now the, the Cowboys finished uh, in ninth uh, in in the Big Twelve last season, but with with the talent that uh, Mike Boynton is bringing in and uh, having all of the starters back, I think there's. There's reason to think that Oklahoma State's one of the one of the programs in the Big 12 that'll that'll take a step forward this year. But but let's talk quickly about Isaiah Moss. I, I know we've discussed him before. Has your thinking changed at all about how Kansas might use him? I, I as I recall, Jesse, you were kind of on the on the um, on, on this fence about whether he's a starter or not. Yeah, it's. Um... It's so early, and without him even showing up on campus yet, I think he had like a job internship this summer, so he's not even with KU. We didn't even get to see him in the summer scrimmages. It's really difficult to kind of parse through what he might mean to the Jayhawks or what even they think they're getting with him when you're talking about the coaching staff who was able to land him late in the process. But if you look at his overall numbers, uh, the the three-point shooting stands out to you, and that's something that KU desperately needs. So that is sort of the niche that he can provide for Kansas. Uh, And also maybe a little bit of perimeter defense. Some of the reports on that are mixed, but if you look at some of uh, of the the synergy numbers out there, you know, the people or the they go and kind of log game by game how he was able to do, uh, they're sort of encouraging that he can get out there and sort of defend three-pointers. He's had some quotes about getting out and defending guys that way too. So uh, if the effort level is there and the desire is there defensively, a lot of times you can fix some of the other things that need to go on there. Uh, however, if you look at maybe the rest of his skill set, uh, not exactly complete, and especially for a guy who played at a, a, a level similar to Kansas while playing at Iowa, I would think for Kansas, the, probably the preference for them is that he's not a starter. They would hope that some of these other talented guys can step up and, and fill that role, but uh, if he can be a three-point shooter and a guy that in certain roles or certain games can um, give them a different look when they need it, I think that that very well could help him out and get him a role at Kansas. But you need three-point shooting in today's game, and whether you need that at the end of your bench late in the game when you're trying to catch up or whether you need that as part of your primary offense to uh, get some guys freed up or to help out uh, the big men inside so that they don't face double teams all game, that is uh, something that definitely is uh, desired in college basketball and something that that KU doesn't have 
proven uh, very much of it coming back for this 2019-2020 season. So we'll see with Isaiah. Like I said, I think he's maybe even more – he's even a question mark for some of the coaching staff since he hasn't been on campus. He hasn't been able to do a lot of things that his teammates have done so far this season. But if I'm looking at it, uh, the way they got him late in the process with what they needed and then also some of the guys they have coming back and the depth they have coming back, to me he seems more like a, a nice bench fit than he does a guy that you want in, in the starting lineup to start off the year. And uh, we'll see what he develops into. But uh, for KU – uh, they've had some successful transfers in the past. We'll see if he becomes the latest one. I think the team that you look out for, as you mentioned, Blair, is Texas Tech, just because we saw last year how much that those graduate transfers could carry them and how well uh, that Chris Beard can coach those guys uh, very quickly and get the most out of them. So if Texas Tech's able to pull that off again, they very well could compete with Kansas for the Big 12 title, just as they did last year and able to end that long streak that the Jayhawks had. Right. Let me uh, let me make a correction, something I said earlier. T.J. Holyfield, from, uh, who's one of those Texas Tech graduate transfer, comes from Stephen at Boston, yep. and not uh, Texas Arlington, because uh, that would be TCU's Edric Dennis, who who at UT Arlington last year averaged 14.3 points and comes into the Horn Frogs uh, roster and looks looks to be making make an impact right away for the team that re- finished runner up in the in the NIT. Another name to look out for, not a graduate transfer, but someone who set out last year is Austin Reeves, who uh, at Oklahoma uh, played at Wichita State, averaged eight eight points a couple years ago. I, I think he could uh, get a starting role for for the Sooners. Of course, it's a two way street. It's not just players coming into the Big Twelve. There's some who have left. Kansas lost K.J. Lawson to Tulane, I believe, is where he is headed. And another another program that you just wonder about where, where everything stands is West Virginia. Finished last in, in the Big 12 last year, had a, had a rough season, and, uh, and, and Bob Huggins kind of made it clear he wanted to start over with, um, you know, with, with, some, with a new roster or as much of a new roster as he you know, felt comfortable with. And he loses. Um, uh, Beetle Bolden has moved on, the guard. And um, uh, I think we, he, I think he is off to Alabama, um, and uh, and Lamont West is is at Missouri State, which is an interesting destination for for Lamont West. So two way street when it comes to the graduate transfers. Uh, you know, it's it's there there are more in in college basketball, college sports, but especially college basketball than ever before. I think that. Uh, it's it's a it's a reaction to the amount of money that comes into college sports that doesn't find its way to the athletes. Coaches get paid more, facilities are nicer than they've ever been. Um, there are just all kinds of ways to spend the money that comes into college sports. One of them is not paying the athletes, although they do get the cost of attendance. They get more than they've ever gotten, but it really is just a you know a, a trickle of what uh, of what the coaches receive and administrators and money that goes into facilities. So I think what the NCAA and colleges have done is made it um, easier in some respects for athletes to get what they want. And one of those things is you know, something akin to free agency in college basketball, college sports, but especially against college basketball. And we're you know and we're seeing that. I I, I think I saw a number where it's it's up to several hundred, maybe six or seven hundred uh, players this year will start the season on in Division One on new rosters than the, than the previous year, or will have gone to at least a second school. What we're seeing is some players ending up at a third school. I, I mentioned Edric Dennis for TCU. He started at Jackson State and uh, and then went to UT Arlington, is now at TCU. I remember Tariq Owens for you know, for Texas Tech last year, started, uh, I think, at Tennessee, went to St. John's and ended up uh, playing for Texas Tech in the national championship game. So 
I think it's something we will um, until uh, maybe the NCAA decides to change some things and 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 they are talking about making some changes here, making it a little more difficult to to transfer programs are going to take advantage of this and Big 12 schools by and large because of the success that they have on the national level, the exposure they get uh, Big Monday and all their games on an ESPN network uh, will be uh, probably on the receiving end of, of good players when it comes to these graduate transfers. Yeah, and it depends on the school, too, who has the history with it. You know, we've seen schools, again, Texas Tech is going to get transfers now because those guys stepped in right away and were really good. Uh, you talk about back in the day, it was Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State. He showed Absolutely. that he could bring a transfer in, and he would play you right away, and you had success, and you could move on to the NBA. And I think you're right, Blair, when you talk about the transfer market. I know you kind of get the grumblers out there that, oh, you should stick with it, you should stick it out, all those sorts of things. But student-athletes right now have very few rights, if we're being completely honest about it, and um, for people to seek out the best opportunity for themselves, whether that's because the coach that they were recruited to changed or um, the situation around them changed or they just want a different option or a different path, I don't think anybody should be faulted out there for looking out for the best for what them, themselves – the best for themselves. And also not only that, I mean per, perhaps the best route for them to – Play professionally someday. And so, uh, yeah, if, if you're looking out for your best interest, that's what you should be doing. That's what we all do in life. Uh, and I think uh, nobody should be faulted for that. And like we talked about, a lot of those things might change come kind of right from under their feet, whether you get a different coaching change, you get two more recruits that you didn't think were coming, you had to switch positions, uh, whatever the case may be. And let's not act out there like sometimes coaches don't run players off from school either. That is another part of this that we don't talk about. Uh, it's just a little bit more hidden. So uh, I'm for anything that allows these student-athletes to, like I said, don't get paid, and you talked about that, don't get officially paid, make a lot of money for their schools, for them to have some rights out there and for them to be able to get a fresh start other places. I think that's good for them, and if they can succeed with that, as we've seen many of these transfers do, then all the best for them. Well, and you, you mentioned somebody in our first segment who I think uh, is the – Maybe the poster child for having a uh, you know a transfer really work out well for him, and that's Tarek Black, who uh, started his career at Memphis, transferred to Kansas, had the one year of eligibility, wasn't an all conference level player at Kansas, but took full advantage of the the level of competition. And is he still active in the NBA? I think he is not anymore. But uh, again, once again, he probably. Just talking with him, it's the same thing we talked about with Andrew Hootie. Like his eyes were so open when he hit a KU weight room because he's like, oh. I was just beefing up at Memphis. You know what I mean? Like I was just trying to get as big as I could be, and all of a sudden he's kind of opened eyes to the process of it and to the science of it, and, oh, I need to do this instead of that. And this isn't a criticism of Memphis. I mean, they're trying to do what was best for their athletes, but to get in a different situation where you hear a different voice and they lead you down a different path, and all of a sudden, how many billions of dollars did Tarek Black make because – he went to Kansas. And so uh, for us to think that, oh, he should have stuck out in Memphis, you know, he shouldn't go anywhere. He should be loyal to that place, whatever the case may be. No, he needs to do what's best for Tark Black. And what was best for Tark Black, obviously, was to go to Kansas, get a fresh set of ideas, and to learn under a different coach. And it made him millions and millions of dollars. So if that's available for other athletes, they should take advantage of it as well. And, and I hope other athletes are able to take advantage of that and get to situations where they feel like they can succeed. Very good, Jesse. Hey, it was great talking to you. Great to catch up, and we will talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Blair. Appreciate it. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to producer Kathy Liu and technical advisor Leah Becerra for putting together today's show. And thanks to our sponsor, Big O Tires. We'll be back Tuesday for another episode of Sportsbeat KC. 
And as always, thank you for listening.